0: He's Hacker. Talk about a fried egg. I lasted about five minutes out there. I said, to heck with this. I'll do this in the morning. And I don't have any inside information. The lady that did it, she got in there. I mean, she made it happen. And he doesn't shy away from opinion. And I do enjoy drinking cold beer at ballparks. So if that makes me a baseball fan, then I'm a diehard baseball fan.
1: It's Hacker After Dark
2: on 1010XL.
0: And a very good Monday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us as we have a world champion, a familiar world champion. As for the third time in five years, the Kansas City Chiefs have won the world title. It's their fourth Super Bowl in the last six years since Patrick Mahomes arrived on the scene. They are the first back-to-back champion in 20 years since the Patriots did it back in 2003 and 2004. And my gracious, what a game it was. What an atmosphere it was. And I left that game thinking just how far Jacksonville is from those two teams I saw playing last night which is where we will begin here in just a moment. We'll do a lot of recap of the Super Bowl. We will certainly spend some time tonight on the Jacksonville Jaguars. In fact, I'm taking a couple of days off um, Friday this week and Monday next week. So if my Wolfson math is accurate, we have 18 shows that Denmark and I are going to do, 18 Hacker After Darks until... NFL free agency begins on Monday, March the 11th. And wouldn't it be interesting that the Jaguars have exactly 18 either restricted or unrestricted free agents. So we will take one a night over the next 18 shows that is either a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent. Some deserve about 90 seconds of conversation. Some deserve a lot more than that. And we will work our way up from, I hate to say the least important, but that's kind of what we're doing. I will work our way up of the 18 guys that are scheduled to hit free agency on the 11th day of March from guys the Jaguars can probably afford to lose to guys they absolutely cannot lose. And you can assume who's at the top of that list, who we will not be talking about for a couple of weeks, but... That begins tonight. We'll do that in just a little bit. We'll talk about the first guy of the 18, either restricted or unrestricted free agents that will hit the market or scheduled to hit the market as of now on Monday, March the 11th. Guest lineup looks like this. Dave Campo, Monday night coaching with Campo. Love having the head coach on. He's been with us every Monday since late August, the season finale tonight of Monday Night Coaching with Campo. Of course, he's never going to be too far. We'll have Coach on during free agency. We'll have Coach on during the draft. We'll certainly start it back up in August when training camp resumes. But the last 2023 season Monday Night Coaching with Campo session is this evening. Also, Ben Troop, former All-American tight end at the University of Florida, spent many years as well in the National Football League We will talk a little Super Bowl with Ben Troop, a little AFC South with Ben Troop, among other things. That's all coming up within the hour here on Hacker After Dark. Every night here on HAD, we do give you a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal on Hacker After Dark. Another football season in the books, the same story as last year, the same story as four years ago, and barring a guy being off sides in the AFC championship game and guys getting hurt in the COVID year, who knows how many consecutive titles the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes would have. I'm 40 years old. I am not old enough to appreciate John Elway in his prime. I've seen videos, but I just wasn't old enough to appreciate Elway in his prime. Same thing with Dan Marino. Obviously saw both of those guys towards the middle to end of their careers. They were both still great, but I just didn't appreciate them because of my age. In my lifetime, what I can appreciate, the two guys I thought were the best quarterbacks I've ever seen, no real surprise, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Joe Montana falls into the category of Marino and Elway. I appreciate him from what I've seen on video, but I don't remember a lot of the stuff he did in the 80s. I was not alive for some of that, and I certainly did not follow football until probably 89 or 1990 when I was six or seven years old. So Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, to me, as a 40-year-old, are the two best quarterbacks I've ever seen. There's now a third on that list, and it's Patrick Mahomes. He has entered that category for me as one of the three best NFL players and certainly one of the three best quarterbacks I've ever seen. The guy is a flat-out machine. Um, What's interesting, and I told you guys this on Friday, normally I don't like guys like this. I didn't necessarily like Tom Brady and his dominance in New England. I didn't necessarily like Michael Jordan and his dominance in Chicago or LeBron James and his dominance in Miami. That just wasn't my thing. Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, I didn't like that. But I like Mahomes, man. I like his demeanor. I like his charisma. I like his attitude. I pretty much like everything about Patrick Mahomes. That guy is an absolute competitor absolute 100% verified competitor, and you saw that again last night. Down three, a minute 40 to go. He takes Kansas City all the way down. Darn near scores a game-winning touchdown, but certainly drove him far enough down to tie the game to send it into overtime. Then they fall behind in overtime, and what does Mahomes do? Leads them right down the field like a hot knife through butter, including converting a fourth and one with the season on the line, a third and six with the season on the line, and drives them right down for a game-winning touchdown to win the Super Bowl. It is his third championship. It is his third Super Bowl MVP. The guy is 28 years old. He will be a first ballot with all caps in Shrinee into Canton, Ohio, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And who knows where this could go. Again, at 28 years of age, if he stays healthy, he's got in today's day and age minimum a decade left of good competitive football. Could he get to Brady's seven? I don't know, but he's going to win more. The entire National Football League has six months to figure out how to stop him because they are an unstoppable force right now. Kansas City is a dynasty. They're going to try to become the first team in the history of the league to go back to back to back to 3 P. No one's ever done it. In the history of the NFL, the Super Bowl era, no one has ever won three consecutive Lombardi trophies. That is Kansas City's motivation. I'm not even sure they were off the field last night after winning their second in a row before they started talking about three-peat, three-peat, 3 Pete. That's a problem for the rest of the league. And watching that game last night, and I'm not trying to pour salt in the wound. I'm not trying to stir up bad memories of a lost season for the Jaguars. But the Jaguars have a lot of work, man. I'm not talking about the skill position, guys. I'm not talking about athlete for athlete. I'm talking about the big uglies on the O-line and the D-line for both the 49ers and the Chiefs. They were battling last night. They were hard-hitting, physical gladiators going at it. I shudder to think what the Jacksonville Jaguar offensive line or defensive line would have looked like going up against those two units last night. That was a pleasure to watch. Some people thought the first couple of quarters were boring because you didn't have 40 points being scored. I loved it for what it was. And it was two defensive lines that were just dominating, two offenses that couldn't do anything because of the defenses they were going up against, yet both offenses figured it out. In the second half, particularly the fourth quarter. And that fourth quarter and that overtime period completely made up. And I do mean completely made up for those first three quarters. I was telling Rick this during the two minute drill there. There was one play in particular where I know now how far away Jacksonville is from Kansas City. And it was the play with a minute 50 to go in the fourth quarter. The two minute warning had come. The 49ers were facing a third down and five. Kansas City had to stop them. If San Francisco got a first down, they could have bled the clock and kicked the game-winning field goal. There is no way that the Jacksonville Jaguars would have stopped San Francisco on that play. No way. San Francisco would have converted the first down, would have bled the clock, kicked the field goal, and ripped the hearts out of the Jaguars. Jaguars aren't good enough to stop a team like that on a critical third down with two minutes to go in a game like that. They're just not. Yeah, didn't you know Kansas City was going to stop them? Spagnuolo blitzed the house. One of the corners got up in Purdy's passing lane, knocked the ball down. To San Francisco's credit, they made the field goal, but Mahomes got it back with a minute 40 to go, and he does what Patrick Mahomes does. And I saw that play, and I was watching the game with some buddies and my wife, and I told Heidi, I said, Jacksonville would not have made that play, would not have even come close to making that play because they did not make that play at all this year. Think about how many times and how many close games the defense had a chance to make a play. And many more times than not, the defense fell flat on its face. Jaguars got a lot of work, man, a lot of work. But to sum up what we saw last night, again, to me now, Patrick Mahomes, for me personally, and everybody's list is different, all right? It's an opinion statement. You can rip my opinion, but, I mean, it's an opinion. Everybody's got them. Your top three are probably different than mine based on age, based on what you value in players and quarterbacks. To me, it's always been Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Those are the two guys I saw the most, appreciated the most, and thought they were the best players ever. Patrick Mahomes joins that list. He is an absolute beast of a football player. The guy is the ultimate competitor. He is a warrior out there in football terms. And for him to lead that team to victory last night when they really had no business being in the game, San Francisco outplayed them for the first two to three quarters. That just adds to the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. He's now a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's now a three-time Super Bowl MVP, and the sky is the limit. And the rest of the league, you now have six months, and that includes the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have six months to figure out how to beat these guys because they are going to be the favorite going in next year. I don't care how many free agents they lose. And quite frankly, I don't care how many games they lose in the regular season. Until somebody shows they can beat them in the playoffs, I'm going to pick the Chiefs every time. I learned my lesson this year. Thought Buffalo was going to beat them. Nope. Thought Baltimore. Nope. San Francisco, every opportunity to beat them. Nope. Kansas City is unstoppable right now with the way Mahomes and Kelsey And that offense is. It was a pleasure to watch last night. And whether you love them, whether you hate them, whether you respect them, despise them, learn to live with them because they're not going anywhere. Because a 28-year-old Patrick Mahomes has his eyes set on much more than three Super Bowl trophies. And we'll see if any team or any quarterback can stop him. Remember all offseason? Oh, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Tua. Yeah, great. Who's hoisting the Lombardi Trophy last night? And I think it might be the same story next year until somebody proves they can knock Kansas City off in the month of January. 641-1010 is the phone number on the phone line and on the text line tonight, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Again, Ben Troop, former Gator, All-American tight end, joins us in less than 40 minutes. Coming up next, our final Monday night coaching with Campo. Session of the year, my buddy Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk Super Bowl. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk the 2023 season that was in the National Football League. Dave Campo, our head coach, is next right here on Hacker After Dark let's
3: ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line.
0: Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. It is a Monday evening, and we are glad you are with us. Every Monday around here since basically Labor Day has been Monday night coaching with Campo. Our final one of the season is this evening, and we have an incredible Super Bowl to review as the Kansas City Chiefs are once again world champions coach how we doing
3: doing great what a game uh that was uh great and and i actually being an old timer i was surprised i actually loved the halftime show i thought usher's dancing was fantastic
0: well i figured you were getting after it with usher and Ludacris and everybody i'm sure there were some (laughs) dance moves going on at casa de campo no question about that all right coach overtime the super bowl Mahomes leading him down to tie it at the end of regulation, leading him down to win it in overtime. Where do you rank Mahomes' performance last night among the best things that he's ever done?
3: Well, I would say that it's fantastic. I mean, I would say it would rank right up there with maybe number one, you know, to go into overtime with all that pressure and with, you know, being the second, uh, you know, team to go with the, with the, uh, with San Francisco scoring a field goal on the first part of it, you have to at least get a field goal. Uh, The interesting thing to me was I just read an article where some of the San Francisco players said they didn't realize that there were different rules in the playoffs, whereas Andy Reid said they went over it in training camp and they went over it in in the lead-up to the playoffs with what they were going to do if... San Francisco had scored first and went, you know, kicked the extra point and they came down and scored. They were going to go for two. It was almost like they were totally prepared for that football game. And it showed in the game as well.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that uh, a couple of the 49er players, as you mentioned, have come out and said that they thought if they scored a touchdown on the opening drive, that they won the game. I mean, that's an indictment of Shanahan and the Niner coaching staff, right? To not have their guys, prepared on on the situation
3: well yeah I mean I I I would say probably that the coaching staff was prepared but I don't know that they even brought the players into it but in in all honesty uh, San Francisco was not as prepared in that situation in my mind
0: the thing with Mahomes again Dave Campo here with us Patrick Mahomes I mean the Chiefs were bad offensively coach in the first half but to their credit, they made adjustments. Why do you believe they had so much more success in the second half and in overtime? What things did they change, in your opinion?
3: Well, I think they opened it up more. You know, I you know they still stuck with the run, and they had a hard time with the run. But I, I think they opened it up and said, hey, w- look, we got to get the ball to Kelsey. And I thought San Francisco did a good job in the first half with doubling up uh, Kelsey with – with a linebacker on his outside and his safety on the inside. But they went away from that a little bit in the second half, and Kelsey made some plays. You know, I think they felt uh, in the second half they had to to really start pushing the football. And you have to remember that, that punt uh, hitting the guy was huge in that game. You know, without that, they would have still struggled down the stretch. But I knew when they left time on the clock with Mahomes, You know, I said it on all the shows I've been on, and and I believe it, not only with Mahomes, but with any NFL quarterback, if you leave time on the clock, there's a chance that they're going to make something happen. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the play they used to score the touchdown to win it wasn't their two-point play if they had scored and had to go for two.
0: Yeah, uh, hearing Andy Reid after the game, it appears that, last year against Philadelphia the touchdown to Tony and this year against San Francisco the game winner to Hardman was basically the same play or very similar plays and they worked to perfection both times we'll spend a lot more time on Kansas City coach quickly to San Francisco I don't believe you ever lost a Super Bowl right weren't you three and0 we were three and0 all right so you obviously basked in the glory of three and0. But you you were a head coach in the league, obviously. I mean, if you're Kyle Shanahan, what do you what do you tell those guys in the locker room yesterday? That had to be devastating.
3: Yeah, well, I, I'd be sick, you know, if I'm uh, Kyle Shanahan and the entire ball club, uh, you know, to get to that point and and not finish it off, and especially the way they played. I thought they played an outstanding game defensively. Uh, and offensively they they did enough to to give them a chance to win that thing and And it, you know, when you come that close, you know it's almost better when you get blown out than it is to lose like that. So uh, you know, I think they were sick in the locker room and and just a party afterwards, I think was probably a very mellow situation. Uh, I was fortunate. To really enjoy the parties afterwards. And and I think that it's, uh, you tell those guys, hey, look, we're not done. You know, we'll be back.
0: And, you, you know, we've got to find a way in the offseason to win that football game. You think Brock Purdy is the guy out there? Did you see enough from him where he needs to be the long term answer there for the 49ers?
3: I think he is. I think the guy is a kind of a special guy uh, as far as. You know the ability to find uh, things when they're when they're not there. I think that he's going to get even better. I think the blitzes affected him a little bit last night, and you have to give Spagnola credit because the one thing here here the one thing you did not see from our team here in Jacksonville this year was a lot of free rushers. And for some reason, they do a good job of of looking at protections and getting free rushers and disguising them. So uh, you know, Purdy was under pressure uh, pretty much, uh, the, the you know, in the second half, especially with the blitzes that they ran. So he's got to get better at that. But listen, the guy was, you know, was only his second year. I mean, you know, th- this is a tough tough deal and a tough league, and that's a big ball game, and people were flying around.
0: It is Monday night coaching with Campo, my friend Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He's here with us every Monday on Hacker After Dark. All right, Coach, to to the Kansas City Chiefs, to the victors go the spoils. You mentioned Steve Spagnuolo. Let's begin there. You being a defensive guy, I know you love Steve Spagnuolo. He becomes the first coordinator with four Super Bowl rings. And now I think there's a legit conversation Does Steve Spagnuolo belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame?
3: Yeah, I I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know what the criteria is for the Hall of Fame. I know that there aren't any coordinators in there. So uh, I doubt that that will ever happen. But there's no question that he uh, has done a tremendous job at everywhere he's been. Uh, He struggled a little bit as a head coach. But as as a defensive coach and coordinator, I've known Steve for years. You know, he's from New England uh he's, he's an outstanding football coach. Uh, I'm proud. Uh, you know, whenever I talk to Andy, I always tell him, you know, make sure you tell Spags uh, what a great job he did. And and uh, there's no question he's one of the best in the business. And he just has a way. There was no way he was going to end that football game without putting pressure on the quarterback.
0: See, and, and that, that one play, right, the one play that's probably not getting talked enough about, and you just brought it up. The third and five with a minute 50 to go. If Sa- if San Francisco gets a first down there, they can run the clock basically out, kick a game-winning field goal. And if I'm Steve Spagnolo, I do exactly what he did. I send the house. They did. They knocked the ball down to stop the clock, and then San Francisco had to settle for a field goal. And I'm looking at my wife at Heidi, and I said, if that was the Jaguars, there is no way they would stop that third and five. The Jaguars the San Francisco would have gotten that 10 times out of 10 against Jacksonville. Yet you just knew they were not going to pick that up against Spagnolo's defense.
3: Well, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I didn't know that because that was the ball game as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, you got to give Shanahan a little credit as well. You know, there was a play in there in that drive when they had the ball, when, uh, they showed uh, four across the ball, man-to-man. Uh, Kansas City did, and he called timeout because he knew he could. He saw it, and he knew that they couldn't protect it. Now, if it had a Romo set it in the game, if this was one of the things that that uh, a guy like Purdy's going to get better at, you you could have changed the protection there and still gone with the play. But he's so young that he, he, didn't, he didn't do that, and uh, they didn't do it at the end.
0: Coach, everybody in the stadium in the fourth quarter and in overtime knew the ball was going to Travis Kelsey. Everybody knew it. He had one catch for one yard in the first half. You knew they wanted to get him more involved. And it goes to show you the caliber of player, the greatness of really that offense, but right now we're focusing on Kelsey that everybody knew that ball was going there, and San Francisco could not stop him in the second half.
3: Well, you know, they showed some some shots of him where, you know, he was covered and he got himself uncovered. The guy is one of the tops in the business, and, you know, you, you have to look at him and say, hey, he's going to be a big-time factor here in the second half, and they just didn't handle it uh, the way they needed to. Uh, you know, to keep it from him from getting the football. You know, on the other side of the ball, uh, I thought Spagnola did a really good job on Kittle, although Kittle almost got him on that one big play. So, uh, you know, those tight ends, uh, Andy does a great job with them, and Kelsey is, is is a special cat, that's for sure
0: couple of more for our head coach here on Hacker After Dark, Dave Campo. Coach, I know you've had some heated discussions on the sidelines. What did you make of the interaction with Kelsey and Andy Reid there in the first half?
3: Well, disappointed. You know, uh, we had Michael Irvin. And Michael Irvin would not hesitate to go and, and, you know, express his opinion on what was going on in the football game with anybody and everybody. And I'm sure Kelsey is such a a, a tremendous competitor that he was upset with that situation. I think he caught Andy kind of by surprise. I don't think he really meant to hit Andy. I would hope he didn't because that's classless if he did. But at the same time, uh, when you've got a great competitor and a leader like that, some of those things happen on the sidelines. I'm just disappointed that he actually hit
0: Andy. I think you're right. I think looking at it, and even Andy Reid alluded to it, Andy kind of turned, and then there's Travis Kelsey, and it said it kind of caught him off guard a little bit. Uh, They did not make a big deal out of it after the game. I know a lot of people made a big deal out of it during the game. I think if Kansas City would have lost, Coach, it would be a much bigger deal today. But let's get to Andy Reid now. You and I talked last week about where this would put him if he won Super Bowl 58. Well, he has now won. Super Bowl 58 third Super Bowl the guy's been to like nine conference championship games I mean he is an all-time legend in the sport
3: he is now the GOAT he's the guy that uh is taken over for Bill Belichick wow so you you would put him over Belichick well I'm just saying he's the GOAT now okay you know yeah. <laughs> you know I mean I'm not gonna put him over Belichick I mean what Brady and Belichick did I have a feeling that if Andy's willing to take upon the task of, you know, sticking with it, that he and Mahomes have an opportunity to do it there, you know, but uh, to me, he's the best in the business right now. And, you know, not only, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get it done. And, and from what I know of Andy, he can be tough in certain situations, but he's one of those guys that the players love And he loves the players, and I think that goes a long way as long as you got Mahomes at quarterback.
0: You competed against Andy Reid when he was a coordinator at Green Bay and a head coach at Philadelphia. Your defenses with Dallas went against him. Why is he so good?
3: I just think he's very, you know, a guy that can make decisions – during the course of the games that affect the game better than anybody that I, I coached against. Uh, we had some really tough ball games with them and he's just one of those guys that, that, uh, is diverse in what he does offensively. He knows how to move players around and, and get them into position to make plays. Uh, he has, like he did with Kelsey. I think he has a way of, of knowing the type of things after looking at the game, what he has to do to, to get him the football. I think that's what separates him from everything else. And and I think the organization itself is is really good with the with the general manager and everything that they do.
0: Final moments with our head coach Dave Campo. All right. You were on the staff with Troy Aikman. You competed against Joe Montana, right? You competed against Dan Marino and John Elway and Tom Brady, you are one of the guys to ask because you went against the greatest quarterbacks of all time. When you see Patrick Mahomes, is there a legit argument now after his third Super Bowl and his third Super Bowl MVP that he is the greatest quarterback of all time?
3: Well, I look at him really, to be honest with you, just like I look at Andy. You know, he's the GOAT now for sure. And like I said with Andy, I think with him at the helm, uh, if they do what they need to do to make sure that they, when they lose a player, they bring one in that gives them a chance to be the same way, uh, I think he can do the same thing that Brady can. The guy has a way of knowing what it takes to win and when he, when he has to run, when he has to throw, how he has to throw. He invites the blitz. He does everything that, that he, he can do to win. And I think that's what separates him. So he's got to be mentioned right now with the best, you know, with with what he's done. And time will tell if he doesn't become the
0: very best. No team in NFL history has ever three-peated. Look, everybody wants to go undefeated, but you would only equal what Miami did in 1972. No team has ever gone back to back to back, three years, three Super Bowl championships, well, I'm not betting against Kansas City doing it in 2024.
3: Yeah, I'm not either. You know, I, I'll tell you, we were close. You know that in Dallas. Uh, you know, we we were one uh, Deion Sanders for San Francisco arm bar on Michael Irvin, or well, we would have won it three years in a row. We did it in, you know, three and four years. Very difficult to get back, but those guys, if they keep the core of their team together, uh, there's no reason why they can't make a run at it next year as well.
0: well. Coach, it was a lot of fun. And As we put a wrap on the season, uh, just your memories. When we start doing this again, I mean, we'll certainly have you on free agency in the draft. And you're not going to be a stranger, certainly. We'll have you on hopefully every couple of weeks. But when we fire this thing up again weekly in August and you look back on the 2023 season, what will be your fondest memories in totality of the NFL this past year?
3: Well, I will say this about the Jaguars: I'm disappointed, but I'm also encouraged that they were nine and eight. It's not like they were three and 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 fourteen. You know, I think that uh, if they can get a few things fixed, uh, I think that they showed during the stretch early when they when they had the five-game winning streak that they still have a good enough football team to play against anybody in the league. Uh, so that excites me going forward and I just think the league gets better and better I think the the whole league uh, as far as the parody and all that stuff it's a it's a gut check every single Sunday Saturday now Monday Thursday uh, we even have a Friday next week so or next year so uh, I'm excited about the next year. You know, I love the NFL, and I'm looking forward to being with you uh, and and along with Lu, you and Leon on the fifth quarter. Uh, it's been a blast, and I'm looking forward to more.
0: Head Coach Dave Campo every Monday for the past five or so months. Coach, I can't thank you enough. We'll do it again in a couple of weeks when free agency rolls around. We'll see where the Jaguars stand at that point. But thank you as always, my friend. I enjoyed it this year.
3: Yeah, same here, and and, uh, thanks for having me, and I'll talk to you along the way here. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. All
0: right, so 18 shows of Hacker After Dark are what we have until free agency begins in the National Football League. It just so happens that the Jacksonville Jaguars have exactly 18 either restricted or unrestricted free agents. So at least for 90 seconds or so, at least the early ones, we'll spend one smallish segment a night over the next 18 shows talking about one of the restricted or unrestricted free agents that are going to hit free agency on Monday, March 11th. Now, I will tell you there are four exclusive right free agents for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you're wondering what an exclusive right free agent is, it's a player with less than three years credited seasons when the contract expires. If tendered by his prior team, the player can only sign a contract with that team. Long story short, Jeremiah Ledbetter, Tim Jones, Gregory Jr. are among the exclusive right free agents. And I would expect those three guys to be tendered. I saw enough of Jeremiah Ledbetter to want him back, I think. Gregory Jr., absolutely. Tim Jones? I'd bring him back for training camp. I wouldn't think he's guaranteed a 53-man roster spot. But he has won jobs the last couple of years, caught a few passes this year. So I'd be fine if the Jaguars tendered Tim Jones as an exclusive right, free agent. I will give you the list of the 18 restricted or unrestricted free agents. All of these guys, as of right now, are set to hit the market on March 11th. Josh Allen, Jamal Agnew, DeWan Smoot, Caleb Chason, Calvin Ridley, Trey Herndon, Tyler Shatley, Brandon McManus, Ezra Cleveland, DeErnest Johnson, Angelo Blackson, Matt Barkley, Shaq Quarterman, Daniel Thomas, Cole Van Lannen, Blake Hance, Chris Claybrooks, and Caleb Johnson. Those are your 18 free agents set to hit the market four weeks from tonight. Now the first couple of these, I would say pretty much all of them this week, most of them next week are gonna be guys And I hate to say of little importance, but we're going to start small and we're going to work our way up. Obviously, I'm not breaking any news here. Josh Allen will be the last guy we talk about 18 shows from now. But for tonight, to kick it off, the 18 free agents for the Jaguars, Matt Barkley. Spent wonderful time here in Jacksonville, about three weeks. Remember, they signed him off the New York football Giants practice squad. Amazingly enough, Matt Barkley did get into a game. Remember the Carolina game when CJ Beathard was injured. Barkley went in there and made a great handoff to a running back and then came right back out. Matt Barkley will probably not be back in Jacksonville. Although, if you want to bring him back as a camp arm A veteran minimum deal, no harm in that. Although normally I would think, (coughs) excuse me, normally for the third quarterback, you want a young guy to develop. Matt Barkley certainly is not that. You want to draft a guy or sign a younger guy on the market. So the odds of Matt Barkley being back here in Jacksonville, I think are slim to none. But they had to sign somebody when Trevor missed that game. They went out and got Matt Barkley, a veteran, and his one handoff that he made as the Jaguar quarterback. Denmark, it'll certainly be something I remember in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars, no question about that. But now that the Super Bowl is in the rearview mirror, you will start seeing some player movement. We saw it earlier today up in Pittsburgh. The Steelers, the first team, and normally the NFL... I think, frowns upon this. They want a couple of days to breathe a little bit, the Super Bowl to end and to breathe before player movement starts. But Pittsburgh, I guess, didn't care about that as this afternoon, they cut Mitch Trubisky. Not only did they cut Mitch Trubisky, they also released punter Presley Harvin and offensive lineman Jukes Okarafor. Presley Harvin. What's that? That again? No, I'm good. Oh. They cut Chucks. I'll go with that. Presley Harvin was their punter. Obviously, he didn't get the job done. But Mitch Trubisky now back on the market, and Pittsburgh did him a favor because now Mitch Trubisky doesn't have to wait till March 11th. He can sign anywhere. He can sign before free agency begins. Any player that gets cut between now and March 11th owes a debt of gratitude to that team. Because if you're not in the future plans, let them release you now so you can get a three- or four-week head start on finding a new home before the market floods on Monday, March the 11th. Mitch Trubisky will find a new home. I don't believe him to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he's certainly a backup. Mitch Trubisky's one of the 64 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did not work out in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got to figure out what they're going to do with Mason Rudolph, who's a free agent. We know about Kenny Pickett. News out of Pittsburgh. Remember who they just hired as their offensive coordinator, right? Arthur Smith, formerly of the Titans and the Falcons. So the thought is Pittsburgh may bring in Ryan Tannehill, reunite him with Arthur Smith. And there's even word today that Justin Fields potentially could be on the Steelers' radar. So we'll see, but the first name, if you will, of the NFL offseason released this evening as the Steelers have cut quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. We're almost at halftime on Hacker After Dark. One hour down, one hour to go. We will take you all the way to 10 o'clock tonight, and we are glad you are with us. Coming up next, my buddy Ben Troop. He was an All-American tight end at the University of Florida He also played many years in the National Football League. Let's talk a little Super Bowl. Let's talk a little AFC South as well with Ben Troop, former Florida Gator, former Tennessee Titan. He's next, Hacker After Dark, on a Monday night in Jacksonville, Florida, and we are glad you are with us.
3: Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line.
0: Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Super Bowl 58 is now over as once again the Kansas City Chiefs are the world champions. The third Super Bowl for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid as they defeat the 49ers in a thriller in overtime to capture another Lombardi Trophy. Let's talk about that. Let's look around the NFL. Also get into some college talk with my buddy Ben Troop. He was a former All-American tight end at the University of Florida. Also spent several years in the National Football League. He's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ben, how we doing? Man, doing great, Ryan. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Hey, Ben, always appreciate the time. And let's dive right into the Super Bowl on Sunday night. Uh, Boy, they do it again, Ben. Kansas City, Andy Reid, Mahomes, Kelsey, and the crew get it done. Before we really dive in, just a broad overview, your thoughts on what we saw out there in Las Vegas.
2: I mean, it was very, very much a, a defensive uh, showing the first half. You know, you talk about, I mean, both teams trying to fill each other. I right? don't want to make mistakes. We're both starting uh, running backs, putting the ball on the ground, which is very, very uncharacteristic for both of those guys, from Pacheco and C-Mac. I think the thing about the second half that really stood out, I mean, as far as the whole game was, I think the Kansas City really made an effort to try to get Travis Kelsey involved in the game. It's going to be the biggest head scratcher in the world to where the George Kittle had one catch on fourth down to extend the drive you can't have a guy that talented that you know that important to not just the offense but just you know he is a heart and soul of the of the entire team and for him to even hurt his shoulder to come back into the game and losing Greenlaw is obviously was big for that defense but I think Kyle Shanahan is going to really 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 uh, you know kick himself because if it's four, if it's fourth and goal and you got a shot to you know to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes to have to score a touchdown I think you go for that touchdown you can't just kick the, you know, the chip shot field goal and expect Patrick Mahomes, who, if you saw him on the sideline, I mean, he was looking like if we get this ball back, we ain't going for three. We going down the field and we gonna take advantage of the of the situation more than the players. I still think San Francisco is a better team, top to bottom of Kansas City, but nobody, the best in the world and the best I've ever seen, taking nothing away from Tom Brady is Patrick Mahomes, this is going to be hard, peel to swallow, because I think the last overtime game, Kyle Shanahan was the then offensive coordinator for the, you know, for my Atlanta Falcons. Now, you know, loses losing overtime because, once again, everybody can talk about what Cam Newton said about Brock Purdy being a game manager and not a game changer. If he was a game changer, I guarantee you, uh, I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan puts the ball in his hands and lives with the decision. I think he got nervous, and the end result is, is what it was. Shout out to Miko Harmon, man, getting, you know, it was, uh, starting off the year as a Jet, ending up uh, getting becoming a, a two-time uh, world champion. But Kansas City, what can I say that hasn't been said? you got the best player in the world right now, the best coach in the world, the best team in the world, and dare I say, uh, Travis Kelton Say he's coming back. So we might be looking at a three-peat if them boys, uh, if, if everything falls in place next year.
0: Former Florida Gator, All-American tight end Ben Troop here with us on 1010XL. Ben, we'll get more to Kansas City in a moment. Quickly to San Francisco, some of the players last night and this morning came out and said that they weren't familiar with the new postseason overtime rules. Some even said they thought if they scored a touchdown on the opening drive, they would have won the game. Now, my question to you, and being in NFL locker rooms like you were, I mean, initial thought is, well, that's on the coaching staff. But I can't imagine the coaching staff did not say that to them at some point this year. I mean, if you're a professional athlete, uh, and this is your livelihood. Is it incumbent on you to know the rules, or do you still rely on coaches to give you all that information?
2: I think it's both. I think it's both. And, and and isn't it ironic that the one coach who has experience in overtime, when you talk about the, you know, in the Super Bowl, it will be Kyle Shanahan and who goes into a, who goes into a game saying, I didn't know what the rules were. I think if we go down and win, the, you know, I think if we go down and score a touchdown, we win the game, not knowing that we, they still get the ball back. That's, that's not something you say out loud. That's something you say, you know, amongst your peers or at home, because it makes you look incompetent as an organization definitely makes Kyle Shanahan look unprepared. As a coach and as a player, okay. So you saying if, so? So basically, you saying if Kansas City would have got the ball first and they would have scored, y'all would have known y'all had another possession, which then would have made it even more unprepared. There's too many guys. In pivotal, uh, you know, positions and roles on the team who don't know. Donovan McNabb was the first person that ever stood out in the regular season that didn't know that you only get one overtime in in, uh, the NFL during the regular season. That's it. And then to admit now in the biggest game of your life, I'm supposed to know. I'm supposed to prepare myself for every single situation. Now, would it have gone to double overtime had they just kicked the field goal? Yes. But to know that we didn't know what the rules were, how can I be prepared against the best player and team in the world if I don't? even though they get a possession after even if they would have scored the first possession with the 49ers.
0: Yeah, that was not a good look. No question about it. And San Francisco taking the ball. And it's interesting, Ben, this was the first time since the rule was implemented that both teams would get the ball no matter if the first team scored an offensive touchdown. This goes back to the Bills and the Chiefs a couple of years ago. And I think it's a learning lesson for everybody. It's obvious San Francisco should have deferred, should have kicked off because Kansas City knew exactly what they needed. I think if Kyle Shanahan had it to do over again, you got to kick that ball off. You got to go on defense first.
2: Yeah, and inexperience in the postseason, which is which is which, is, uh, still ain't on the side of Kyle Shanahan, who he's been in this position before. Once again, you send you send you send out uh, Fred Warner right there, the best middle linebacker in football right now. Take nothing away from like Roquan Smith and you know uh, and, and different uh, different players at that position. You go out there, you get tails, and you say, "Hey man, we want the ball." It's like. When you hear, you listen to the crowd, they're thinking you want the ball. The thing, the thing about Kansas City, everything that could have gone wrong for Kansas City in the first half did and everything that could have gone right in the, in the, you know, in the waning moments for Kansas City went right for them because I got the ball. I'm going to give, I'm going to put pressure. It's one thing for Patrick Mahomes to know I got the score. It's another thing. He got to score this first possession or he makes a bad decision, right? And then he doesn't score. That that puts it on y'all to go down and just have to kick the field goal. Like I said, the Super Bowl is the most prestigious game there is in sports because it's one and done, and you you do all you can to get to this position, and you panic, and you panic for the world to see both with players, both with coaches, both with the situation, and that's the, because everybody has this notion of we're gonna be back. I don't know where they get that from. The first time Kyle Shanahan lost in the Super Bowl. It was to the Chiefs. The second time he lost, it was to the Chiefs. And this time, it was because he panicked. I mean, he obviously Garoppolo missed the throw to Emmanuel Sanders the first time, but you, you know, you missed out. I just, it's just one of those things, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, you know, Ryan. I just hate it for them players with San Francisco because they're going to have to live with it. And, you know, this team is not going to look the same next year. With all that money they spend in free agency, I just just see the team being a lot different. And I don't know if that NFC, as tough as it is, is going to afford San Francisco another shot in 2024.
0: Final San Francisco thought, Ben. You were the ultimate competitor, All-American at Florida, high draft pick of the Tennessee Titans. You know what it's like to battle and scratch and claw and to to get to a game like the Super Bowl. And then for Dre Greenlaw – to tear his Achilles running onto the field where he wasn't even hit by anybody else, I mean your heart just must go out to him as a fellow competitor.
2: It really does, and the NFL needs to do a better job of understanding that. These, listen, these, there are thirty-two, uh, there are thirty-two stadiums in the National Football League that should have grass, and that is the National Football League, period. I do not like it with Phillips, you know, down there, you know, with, uh, you know, with Miami, he, he just comes off the ball and tears his Achilles. He didn't touch anybody. Greenlaw is getting ready to run on the field. These players are too precious. These moments are too rare to have a player like that. And everybody knew it. Like it's one of those things. Everybody knew it. And, The hardest—they say the one the hardest, uh, you know, injury to come back from is Achilles. I feel bad for Greenlaw. I don't know if he plays the game is different, but the, the way he was playing. He was hitting everything that was moving with the opposite jersey. I just feel real bad for him. But the NFL, with everything, with all these rule changes and kickoffs, and you can't do the wedge and all this stuff that's taken away from football. Make sure that you got. You can't afford these owners should be able to afford grass and just do it the same way Arizona does. Take the grass from the outside to push it on the inside because these games are too rare and these moments are too rare. Greenlaw, I feel bad for him. I, I am wishing him a speedy recovery.
0: Yeah, it's a double whammy. Not only do you lose a Super Bowl. But Dre Greenlaw tearing his Achilles on February 11th, he may not play in 2024. I mean, if he does play, it might not be till October or November at the earliest. So that is a hard thing to deal with if you're the 49ers. Former Gator All-American tight end Ben Troop here with us. Speaking of tight ends, Travis Kelsey. Ben, explain this to me. Everybody in the stadium last night in the second half knew Mahomes was going to get Kelsey involved. I knew it. You knew it. My wife knew it. My four-year-old knew it. San Francisco obviously knew it, and they still could not stop Travis Kelsey in the second half.
2: One of the biggest players in the second half. It is third down. They need to make a big throw. They got Travis Kelsey on the wide side. They got him on the wide side of the field, the single, the single receiver, and they got Fred Warner, who's trying to cover him man to man. Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in the world. He can't cover Travis Kelsey one-on-one not running the shallow cross when I got everybody. Basically, I'm, I'm a flood. Everybody from the left has Travis Kelce come back across. And Travis Kelce got, what, 30 yards on that play. Everybody thought, oh, it's set up. This is before uh, they actually went to overtime. Travis Kelce is a guy that that looks at Andy Reid. I know everybody going to talk about the little spat they had on the sideline. You got to get him the ball. He is, he is, Patrick Mahomes is the, Patrick Mahomes, right? He is the one that makes that offense go. But you talking about the heart and soul of that offense, that passing game, it's got to be Travis Kelsey. And that's just, look, I, I love, I love the game plan on defense for San Francisco, but you got to do it when it matters. Travis Kelsey said, forget the fact that I'm with Taylor Swift. And every time you mention me, you're gonna show her. That just that just happened to be my star power match with her star power. But Travis Kelsey is, is like Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position. When you need it. Oh, he's going to come up big every single time. And that's what make great players great players is he should be the last one getting the ball, and he's going to be the main one getting it. Shout out to Travis Kelsey, man. I thought that this was going to be his last year, but obviously they trying to go for that three-peat. I think they got as good a shot as any. But, yeah, Travis Kelsey put on a show for everybody to see because first half was very, very slow, but they made it a point for him to get into that passing game in the second half.
0: Ben, what did you make of that interaction with Kelsey and Andy Reid there in the second quarter?
2: I just think it shows that they have that type of relationship. I think it's more rooted in respect. I think that when Andy Reid has been around a long time, I mean, he's coached a lot of, you know, really, really good tight ends. He's never had a tight end uh, of a caliber like a guy like Travis Kelsey. And it's one thing to be, you know, uh, what they say frustration and passion to get mixed up, depending on the situation, he was frustrated, but he's also passionate. He said, look, Coach, I cannot live with potentially losing this game, and I'm not a part of this. I don't want to just be out here. I want to be a focal point, and I don't think that Andy Reid really took it as a slight at all. I think when you when you know who a player is and you know what makes him tick, you know who Travis Kelsey is. And but I will say this: you know, just like I know, you know, Ryan, if that's a total different player. You know, if that's CeeDee Lamb going at Dak, that, if that's a uh, Daz Bryant going at you know Tony Romo in the Super Bowl, like it's gonna be seen very differently. But that's what winning does. Winning gives you an out that only it can. But I I didn't I didn't take no I didn't I didn't have no quarrels with it. I just think that bumping a coach is always a little different for me. But I think that Andy Reid and Travis Kelce really understand each other behind the scenes as men. That's why they can respect each other as coach and player when they when when everybody can see them.
0: Final moments here with former Florida Gator, All-American tight end Ben Troop. Ben, that gets us to Patrick Mahomes. Three Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs. He's certainly in rarefied air right now. The comparisons between he and Brady are at an all-time high, and they will only get higher as we go along if Mahomes continues winning Uh, your thoughts on Mahomes as a former player, and what makes him the quarterback that he is? I mean, I've
2: seen, I've been blessed to see a lot of football. You know, I know they kept showing Joe Montana, uh, you know, on the sideline. Tom Brady's doing commercials in the Super Bowl with Ben Affleck now, and but. I've never seen anything like Patrick Mahomes for this reason. Most players are going to play well in a game. Most players are going to have a moment. Every time you need Patrick Mahomes to make a play, he's going to show it. Every t- Now, does he do things that nobody should do? No, nope, but nobody is nobody is, you know, you hear the term, you know, I'm him. Well, Patrick Mahomes is him. And he he does whatever his team needs. He knows I have to be super I can't be mediocre. I can't be okay. And I heard Ryan Clark say it, you know, last night. He's the greatest I've ever seen. And that's and that's not that's not hyperbole. That's not just trying to get no clicks. Ryan, we've seen a lot of football, but this is the thing. When Kansas City, when Kansas City gets the ball with Patrick Mahomes, you knew they were gonna win it. Like, dude, they finna win this game. They could they got Patrick Mahomes. And I just think that for me, what makes him special is he played football like you may never see him play again. Like, hey, man, somebody may only see me play one time. He's going to show you why he is who he is. And guess what? He don't need Tyreek Hill. He don't need Ayuk. He don't need a Debo. He needs time and 87. You give me 87, you give me some time on the clock, and I'm going to beat you. And like I said, he don't even look like he sweat. When after the game, I'm like, is he even sweat? He don't even look like he just played... In a Super Bowl, but like I said, we are blessed as as onlookers and and fans of football to have Patrick Mahomes play the, play the game the way he does at 28 years old, four Super Bowl appearances, three Super Bowl championships, three Super Bowl MVPs, and he's only getting better. Hey, all I can say is, you know, you're going to protect that man like nobody's business. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes, though, man. He's finding a way to get it done, man. I'm happy for his uh, ascension. And nobody ever thought that, uh, that a guy like uh, Tom Brady could ever be be caught. I don't know. I, I Let me say that. I don't know if he'll get to seven. But I think if anybody got a shot, it's number 15 for them Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Well, again, there's 31 NFL markets right now that have to figure out over the next six months how they're going to beat Kansas City, including right here in Jacksonville, because that that team's not going anywhere with Patrick Mahomes. Certainly, they, they are going to be in it for a long time. And, Ben, that leaves us with this final question. You and I haven't spoken in over a month. Your former team, the Tennessee Titans, they have a brand-new head coach, Mike Vrabel, out. Brian Callahan in. I'm just curious, as a former Titan, because we obviously took notice of that here in Jacksonville, what your thoughts are on the new head man there in Nashville?
2: I like it, and and, and I and I, I like it for this reason. The thing about the Tennessee Titans was you're gonna take on the you're gonna take on you know the persona of your head coach. Everybody knew that Vrabel was not gonna be be the head coach be the head coach under Rand Carthon because it doesn't usually go that way. You don't go head coach fire the GM get a new GM. No, you go GM then head coach. And Vrabel, everybody thought that he was gonna be a part of his uh, hiring cycle. He didn't go that way. I think Cam- Callahan what he gives what he gives Tennessee is a new identity on offense. I think the thing is what you saw last year was. You saw a whole bunch of paint thrown at the wall and just see what sticks. That's not gonna work. You cannot be you cannot be a front runner. Everybody thought it was going to be Jacksonville and it wasn't. but it still can't be Houston. A, a rookie quarterback who was incredible, C.J. Stroud, should not have ran away with the, the division the way they was able to do. So I think what Callahan does, he brings in a fresh start. I think that Darren Henry is going to be working back into the offense. Ty Tobert, who's a new wide receiver coach, who was my uh, tight ends coach my junior year at Florida, I think is going to help Traylon Burks out tremendously when you look at his track record. And I think it's just a new day in Tennessee. And and I and I, I don't want to say this, but I think that's the Doug Peterson. Uh, effect. You see what Peterson did for Jacksonville just by bringing in a new face who understands me. I got to get the best out of my players. I guarantee you Callahan knows a we got two young talented quarterbacks with one coming off an of injury and Anthony Richardson. We got to deal with that young man, CJ Stroud. I still don't think none of them are better than Trevor Lawrence. I, I just think that they, that was somebody else to tell in the second half of the season. I don't know who that was, you know, uh, out there with uh, with Lawrence on, on his back, but I think for Tennessee, they said new coach new identity, new year. Let's find a way to compete in the division that while Jacksonville is the best team, Houston might be the most exciting team. I think the Titans got the most veteran you know, leadership on the team. I think this division is up for grabs. I don't know if they're going to win it next year, but I think Callahan gives them the best shot. Yeah,
0: absolutely crazy that of the four teams in the AFC South, Doug Peterson is now the longest tenured head coach, and he's only coming in – to year three, and that goes to show you the turnover in the National Football League. Ben, tell us about the podcast, 84 Reasons. What do you have coming up?
2: 84 Reasons, man, uh, is my podcast on the Florida Victorious NIL uh platform for the University of Florida. Uh, I got some I, you know, I got some great uh players coming up. I think I've been very, very football heavy uh with Spirito and different guys, but I'm finna start getting into baseball season as among us. I'm finna start talking to these baseball players. You're talking about track and field, it's among us. I, I gotta definitely talk about those guys, but I gotta talk about one thing before I get out of here, Ryan. Everybody talk about Miles Garrett winning the, the Defensive Player of the Year award. I don't think it should have gone to Miles Garrett, and I don't even think it should have gone to TJ Watt. It should have went to Josh Allen. And I say that because when I look at his stat, 17 and a half stats from a guy who has had to ha, who has, had to have been a mentor his last two years in the NFL. Love Miles Garrett, love TJ White. I think Josh Allen. People don't expect this young guy to be good. Go back to when his last year. At Kentucky, he's that caliber of a player. I hope, I hope he gets his big deal. I hope he uh, comes back with Jacksonville. I think that was a travesty when I was watching him NFL honors.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Jaguar fans will like it. Josh Allen didn't get one vote. Not one vote for Defensive Player of the Year, which to me is an absolute joke. Ben Troop, All-American tight end, University of Florida, spent many years in the NFL. His podcast, 84 Reasons. Gator fans, go check it out. You will certainly enjoy it. Ben, thank you as always. Let's do it again around free agency and spring football, and we'll see where things stand at that time. Appreciate you, my friend. Always appreciate
2: coming up with you, Ryan. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
0: Back into the Jacksonville Jaguars. Less than 10 minutes from now, Demetrius Harvey, Florida Times Union. We'll stop by. Always enjoy having Demetrius here on Hacker After Dark. You know, I was going around earlier tonight, going to various websites, getting a game plan together for this award-winning Hacker After Dark program, and I stumbled upon Denmark and Marsh on the 1010XL Facebook page. Denmark, brand-new podcast for you and Spielberg, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, Spielberg. That's funny. Uh, Yeah, me and Marsh, we... uh. We asked the boss a couple weeks ago if we could start doing a podcast here. He let us do it. We're trying to do it about once or twice a week, talking Jags, Gators, and any uh, any big story in the world of sports, really. So today we did one. uh, Did one today at like six o'clock, talking about the Super Bowl and the Gators losing their strength coach. Uh, We try to do about forty five minutes. Usually goes an hour because you know Graham likes to talk. But uh, it's, you know, trying to get my little reps in, you know, before uh, hopefully I can get on big big time, you know? No,
0: I like that, man. So Denmark and Marsh on the 1010XL.com podcast network. I heard RJ Saunders' new program, Open Gym, yesterday, an NBA show at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Love that. Uh, you talk about bothering the boss, man. I bothered Steve for years, man. I never shut up about 12, 13 years ago. I just kept bothering him and pestering him over and over and over, and I think finally he's like, all right, have at it, and, and here we are, uh, more than a decade later. But, no, that's cool. Denmark and Marsh, Dylan Denmark, Graham Marsh, 1010XL.com, twice weekly as we have a bunch of podcasts on there. You got Dave Campo and Joe Coward on there. You got Frank Frangi and Dan Hicken on there. You got Denny Thompson and myself on there. A lot of great podcasts to choose from on 1010XL.com and all the social media 1010XL platforms. Coming up next, Demetrius Harvey, Florida Times-Union. Let's talk Jaguars free agency. Let's talk Josh Allen. Let's talk Calvin Ridley, a little Ezra Cleveland. Let's lay out a blueprint for the Jaguar offseason. Again, free agency, four weeks from tonight, 28 days until the NFL free agent frenzy begins. Let's ring up another guest on the all-pro roofing phone line. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Kansas City Chiefs are once again world champions, the third Super Bowl for Patrick Mahomes, and now everybody's back to 0-0 as of today, and the Jaguars, along with 30 other teams, now have six months to figure out how they're going to knock off Kansas City in 2024. It's going to be a tall task with Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid now all saying they are coming back. With that, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times-Union. He's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Demetrius, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing all right. How about yourself?
0: Demetrius, we're good. Your thoughts on last night and the Super Bowl, and boy, it goes to overtime. What lacked in the first three quarters, I thought really made up for it in the fourth quarter and overtime. And Mahomes gets it done again and knocking off the 49ers. Yeah, it,
1: it really picked up there at the end, huh? Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it throughout. It was always fun, you know, seeing defensive clashes sort of. You, you could tell early on how intense this battle was going to be. I mean, San Francisco was flying. Um, it was pretty much everything that you expected, except for the offensive prowess that we didn't really get to see until the end. Um, but, you know, it, it was something that I, I'm sure most people if you think logically, you kind of expected, right? I mean, did anyone really think Patrick Mahomes was going to lose yesterday? I mean, like in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking the entire game, there's no way Mahomes is going to lose. And, and sure sure enough, there you go at the end, and he pretty much does everything. Um, to me, it was something where I, I kind of always think back um, to Jacksonville whenever I'm watching another team. And you can sort of see with the Chiefs and, and, and with the 49ers just – what types of teams they have? Both both teams have great trench play. Uh, both teams have great offensive and defensive lines. Is what I'm talking about, and 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 you could really tell. And I think that that was sort of the difference, uh, especially at the end there for Kansas City. They're able to just kind of. Hold Christian McCaffrey just a little bit longer uh, than, than than he would have liked, and you saw the result.
0: You got to feel good for Jawan Taylor too. Obviously, mm-hmm. the season did not start off well for him that opening Thursday night with the illegal formations and the false starts, and there was a lot of ridicule mm-hmm. on Jawan Taylor for a lot of that. The former Jaguar, but he was very good last night. He gets a Super Bowl ring along with, I believe, Blaine Gabbert. Among Absolutely. a couple of other guys that get Super Bowl rings as well, so you got to feel good certainly for Jawan Taylor.
1: Absolutely, you know they, he's a guy who got a lot of flack, and from from the very beginning of the season, week one, uh, more flack than he's ever gotten in Jacksonville. And, and you know he, he caught a lot during his second season um, there. So you know it, it was it was cool to see you know obviously him win a Super Bowl ring. It seems like a few Jaguars every year win at least one. Um, so yeah, it was it was just interesting to see that, and and, and yeah, obviously Blaine Gabbert becomes a rare quarterback to have won two uh, Super Bowl rings, but also one for from the Bucks and the and the Chiefs. So a little bit of interesting stuff there, and uh, and yeah, we'll see next year who wins it from Jacksonville.
0: Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union, you said the words right out of my mouth. I guess great minds think alike, and you and I do as well. I'm watching that game last night particularly the trenches, man, the lines of scrimmage, the big uglies on the O-line and the D-line, and I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Jacksonville is not on the same atmosphere as these two teams when it comes to the lines of scrimmage. I guess in large part that's why the Jaguars got outscored by a combined 51-12 to when they played both the 49ers and the Chiefs. A lot of work for Trent Baalke and this staff to do over the next month and a half to get to where these teams are, particularly on the lines of scrimmage, yeah, it's
1: it's going to take a ton of work. I mean, the the plan that Trent and 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 the Jaguars had, you know, starting in twenty twenty one, it made sense. I mean, the players that they brought in, they brought in Roy Robertson Harris that year. Next year, they brought in Foley, uh Fadakasi they brought in, you know, Devon Hamilton via the draft. He's he's improved. Um, all of those players, especially for the defensive side of the football, it makes sense. Um, what What's failed is that the players haven't lived up necessarily to expectations. Foley Fadakasi hasn't lived up to it. Um, Roy Robertson-Harris, I feel like, is is, is, is a little bit of a hit-or-miss type of player, inconsistent. Um, and then, obviously, Devon Hamilton with the unfortunate um illness, you know, over the summer that really hampered him throughout the season. So, you know, their, their trench play just wasn't there necessarily, you know, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, those guys are are, are fantastic talents, but you know, they, they have to upgrade. And the same goes for the offensive line, which might be tenfold. I mean, this, the offensive line is in uh, complete disarray, in my opinion, um, from the left side all the way Until you get to Anton Harrison Only because I don't think there's a single person Who could tell me uh, today Who each starting player will be In 2024 from left tackle, left guard Center and right guard um, So it's, it's, it's incredibly imperative And I've sort of already uh, Began working on you know, who they might Or who they could bring in via free agency Who they need to retain uh, One of the guys they have to retain is, is Ezra Cleveland and that's just because of what I'm talking about That depth uh, there, it's going to take a lot to sort of um, move around, and you're going to have to retain a couple guys, and you have to drop a couple guys. You might have to sign a guy or two too.
0: Demetrius, I want to get to the future in a moment, but but one more thing on the Super Bowl, but it has a Jaguar comparison to it. Last night, minute fifty to go, third and five for the Niners. If they get the first down, they could run down the clock and kick a game-winning field goal, right? Kansas City had to stop them. So what does Spagnolo do? He sends the house. They knock the ball down incomplete. 49ers have to settle for a kick, give Mahomes plenty of time. And I'm watching the Mm -hmm. game with my wife, and I told Heidi, I said, there is no way Jacksonville would stop that. There's just no way. (laughs) And I'm like, this is the difference between Kansas City and Jacksonville. The Niners get a first down on that play against Jacksonville 10 out of 10 times, but yet you (laughs) knew Kansas City was going to stop it last night.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's actually pretty funny because I I, I think that way too. I, I you know I'm watching it obviously since we we're basically obsessed with the Jaguars, right? So every time we're watching a game, you kind of think back to oh I wonder what the Jaguars would have done in, in that situation. Um, so basically, you know when 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 they get that when they don't get that third down, you're kind of surprised. But if you think about it, you shouldn't be too surprised. Spagnuolo is a fantastic defensive coordinator. The Chiefs are a fantastic blitzing team. Uh, it seems like you know in the clutch the The Chiefs' defense always comes through, especially over the last couple seasons. Um, so you know it wasn't. It shouldn't be too surprising that they got that, uh, or, or that they didn't get it. But um, but it was just because we think, man, if the Jaguars were in that situation, no way. You know they would have gotten ten yards, and you you would have seen them sort of run the clock out, and, and they would have kicked a, a, a kick the field goal, and,
0: and and it wouldn't have a, you know time for Trevor Lawrence to sort of go down the field. And maybe things will change with Ryan Nielsen. As the D.C., we'll see. But, yeah, that was a great call by Kansas City. Again, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times-Union. All right, Demetrius, just to put it in perspective for fans, the Jaguar season ended 36 days ago. Free agency is in 28 days. So we are more than halfway between the end of the season and the beginning of the new league calendar. Now that the Super Bowl is over, right, the next thing will be the franchise tag, which can start being handed out in two weeks. That'll be interesting when it comes to Josh Allen. You're going to start seeing some guys Mm -hmm. getting released. You're going to start seeing some things along those lines. What we've been doing has been watching the playoffs. What the Jaguars have been doing is evaluating the roster, and now they have four weeks to figure out what they're going to do heading into Monday, March the 11th. They
1: do, And, and, and it's really going to be interesting to see um, sort of how they approach free agency. Last year, we kind of knew going in that they weren't going to really do much. That they were going to try to retain their guys, and they were able to do that. You know, um, they're able to get back at least several guys that that they wanted, including guys like Andrew Wingard, who's a special teams player. Um, you know, they obviously let go of Arden Key and Jawan Taylor, but they were able to retain everyone else that they wanted to. Now this year it seems like Barry might be taking a little bit of a different approach in that not necessarily everybody is going to come back. In fact, I would, I would imagine that most of the players are going to be free agents. Um, and I mean, unrestricted free agents, you know, I think there's about 15 guys right now that are going to be unrestricted free agents of those guys, you know, bringing back about four or five of them. Um, wouldn't really be a shock to me. Uh, I, I don't think that they're necessarily going to be bringing everyone back. I think that they know they have to sort of acquire different guys, different talent. Um, and they drafted last year to sort of have this happen. Jamal Agnew's replacement was drafted, Parker Washington. Um, you know, Ventrell Miller was drafted to replace Shaq Quarterman, potentially. Um, Antonio Johnson replaced potentially to, to – drafted to potentially replace Daniel Thomas or even – Ray Jenkins, depending on what they do with him. So yeah, this this offseason I really feel like hitting the end of free agency is gonna be a little different. Um there's gonna be a lot more changes uh this year than, than there was last year.
0: Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. All right, like we said, about two weeks away from the beginning of the franchise tag period. At this point, would you be surprised if Josh Allen was not franchised?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and and that was probably my my viewpoint on it, you know, at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I thought for sure they were gonna sort of do something similar like they did with Evan Ingram last year, which is just to buy them more time, they're gonna franchise tag him and sort of move forward. Now, there was a complicated scenario about Ridley and the franchise tag, but uh, to me I think it makes sense, um, since they hadn't talked to him even as of the Pro Bowl, it sounded like. Um, you know, it made sense that they're going to probably have to franchise tag him to buy themselves more time to to negotiate.
0: I would tend to agree with you, and if Allen is franchised in the next two to three weeks, when mm-hmm. the you can do it, I believe February twenty sixth, roughly, is when you can start doing that, and then Ridley then would probably hit free agency on Monday, March the eleventh, unless they get a deal done. Uh, if Allen's mm-hmm. franchised, what are the odds of Ridley being back here?
1: Yeah, I would say fifty fifty. Um, And that's just because, you know, at that point, Calvin's going to be able to see what he's what he can get on the open market. I fully expect T. Higgins to be franchise tagged by Cincinnati. Um, That seems to be the word from everybody else, too. Um, But, you know, I guess you never know with that one. But, you know, if, if Calvin hits free agency, he's most likely at least the number two receiver on the market, maybe number one, depending on. Uh, with a couple guys on, on, on how you view them. So it's going to be tough for the Jaguars to retain him, uh, considering I'm sure you can get a lot more money if you're on the open market than if you're just resigning with Jacksonville. Um, so it's really going to depend on what Jacksonville is willing to do. If they're, if they're willing to give him basically the deal that they gave Christian Kirk, which I don't know how many fans would enjoy that, but it, but if they were able to do that, um, it it would kind of make sense. You know, you're at least – you're not making him necessarily uh, the highest paid player in terms of the in terms of the receivers, but um, you're sort of paying him on par with what was a couple of years ago free agency money. So you know, to me, I think that that would be a solid effort, solid starting point, but um, I don't know how the Jaguars feel as far as that goes.
0: I agree with you about Ezra Cleveland, by the way, what you said earlier, mm-hmm. I think he needs to be back. The one thing that gives me a little pause about the, the Demetrius, and again, these guys' word isn't the gospel, but it's what they do. I've had guys from Spot Track on, and I've had guys from PFF on. That other salary cap guys, they mm. think Ezra Cleveland's market might blow up. A twenty-seven-year-old guard that's got fifty-some odd starts in the NFL, they were talking upwards of twelve to thirteen million a year potentially for Cleveland. And if that happens, I mean, that's going to bid him out of Jacksonville, is it not?
1: Yeah, it, you would think it would. And, and I just struggle to see him making that much on the open market, considering you got him for a six-round pick. I mean, if he was that coveted by other teams, I would have imagined they would have traded for him during the season last year. They Maybe they would throw their, their own six-round pick in there um, in order to sort of get him under contract earlier. I'm not sure if I agree with them on, on that situation. I get I get the idea of him being young, um Definitely a solid, dependable guard, at least with with the Vikings, but he hasn't shown necessarily to be some elite player um, to be worth that much money. So I would be kind of surprised, but um, at the same time, I I, I guess depending on what the guard market looks like, he could be priced up and – In that regard.
0: Yeah, there's no question. I was surprised Mm -hmm. when they said it, too. Now, the other thing that's going to happen, again, we bring in wrapping up with Demetrius Harvey, the other thing that will start happening, I would guess in the next week or two, clearly it's going to happen before the beginning of March, our guys are going to start getting released around the league. And here in Jacksonville, the names that you hear, Rayshon Jenkins, Zay Jones, potentially Cam Robinson. What are you hearing, Demetrius? As far as salary savings, I mean, you would save money releasing these guys, but obviously, if you release them, you got to replace them. What are you hearing as far as that goes right now?
1: As far as hearing, not too much. Um, the only name that I've heard, you know, consistently throughout even the year has been Brandon Sheriff. Um, I think that at his number, it just makes sense for them to move on. I think that that's sort of the target they've been looking at it like this for a while. Um, you know, there was talk even during training camp. So I, I feel like that seems like the obvious one. Um, other than that, you know, I don't know, you know, necessarily on guys like Rayshon Jenkins, you, you would imagine that that could be the direction they go. Um, I really don't think so on um, Darius Williams, just because of the season he had last year. Um, Foley Fodacossi is another one who I could see just simply because his season last year uh, wasn't wasn't good. And I think that they expect more out of that position and then, yeah, Cam Robinson, you know, he's he's another one who I had heard before. Um, and I think that that was their plan hitting in. But, you know, because of all of what happened last year, I'm just not sure if that changed their minds. Um, so, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, I do believe, you know, at least a couple guys um, that we've seen on the roster for the last couple of years might not be there anymore my th- in a couple
0: of weeks. And my thing with Zay Jones is mm-hmm. if you think you're going to lose Ridley in free agency, you got to keep Zay, right? right. I mean. So I think you're going to know very quickly here in the next couple of weeks their thoughts on Ridley's long-term future here by what they do with Zay Jones. I can
1: agree there. And I think that one thing, too, they don't necessarily have to make that decision on Zay right away, right? They don't have to do it before the new league year necessarily. Obviously, they're going to want to have to you know open up space for the franchise tag for other reasons, but uh, they don't have to do that with Zay right away. So maybe maybe there's a way that they'll – sort of see what's going on with Calvin heading in and then by make the decision before free agency, you know, maybe a few days before on that, or maybe even just a couple of days after, you know, I, I, but I definitely see them thinking about Zay, the knee injuries, the contract, all that sort of stuff plays into it. And I think that they'll have to make a tough decision there.
0: All right, Demetrius, let us know about the Florida times union. We're two weeks outside of the franchise tag. Four weeks outside of free agency. What's coming up over at Jacksonville.com over the coming weeks?
1: Absolutely. You know, now that the Super Bowl is over, we're sort of actually taking a dive into free agency, taking a dive into uh, the draft here in the next couple weeks. I'll be at the Combine, um, you know, the 26th all the way through the 1st, I believe it is. So that entire week pretty much I'll be there and, and sort of getting you guys uh, what what to expect from the Jaguars and frequency in free and the draft. So, yeah, you know, myself, Justin Lewis, you know, obviously Gene with his columns and then Gary with, with all of his auxiliary stuff, you know, we're, we're sort of hitting it um, fast. So it's going to be an exciting offseason, I think, for the Jaguars and for the Times Union.
0: Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Demetrius, as always, man, thank you for the time. We'll do it again soon.
1: Appreciate you. Talk to you later.
0: And thank you to Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark is, yeah, four weeks from today, 28 days away from NFL free agency. And of course, before we get there, the franchise tags, the scouting combine, as the NFL offseason officially has begun now that we have crowned the Kansas City Chiefs, once again, the world champions, the third Super Bowl championship for Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, that'll just about do it for what has been a very busy Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark. We certainly appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. We have a ton of people to thank. Again, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times-Union talking Jaguars as free agency four weeks away But prior to that, guys that potentially will cut for salary cap reasons, potential re-signings, the Josh Allen franchise tag, all answers that we will get over the next 28 days. So we certainly thank Demetrius Harvey for taking time out for us tonight. Thank you to my buddy, former Florida Gator, All-American tight end Ben Troop for joining us tonight. We talked a little Jaguars. We talked a little Brian Callahan, the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans, But certainly we focused on the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank you to Ben Troop for joining us. And it's Monday night here on Hacker After Dark. And we always appreciate our head coach, Dave Campo, for joining us for Monday night coaching with Campo. The season finale, if you will. We'll obviously have Coach on every couple of weeks during free agency, during the draft, and we'll start back up with Coach every week in August. But we certainly thank him for the last six months, joining us every Monday night here during the NFL season. We will be back tomorrow night on a Tuesday, our late-night show. Are you kidding me? Ladies and gentlemen of Jacksonville, Florida, let me ask you a question. Where else would you rather be? And I do mean where else would you rather be from 10 o'clock to midnight than right here with Dylan Denmark and yours truly on Hacker After Dark for our late-night show, and we do hope that you join us then. Dylan Denmark was your producer. Tonight, Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. And again, Jacksonville, thank you for spending part of your Monday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark, on 1010XL, and on 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Monday evening, and we will do it all over again tomorrow night on a Tuesday beginning at 10 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.